1: To In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Hello, Professor Gershon.
2: Good morning, Liz, and happy uh, two 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 is the date. Uh, this only happens once every 100 years, and so I hope we're still doing the show uh, the next time it happens. But um, mm-hmm. I'm always uh, excited. To have uh, Dean Stacy Lantain on the show, uh, she teaches intellectual property here at, at the law school, and her discussion of those intellectual property issues is always fresh and interesting, and I always learn something. So, Stacy, welcome back to the show. Um, please remind us about your background and how you became interested in IP law.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Um, so, I, you know, I went to law school not knowing what I wanted to do with a law degree but knowing that my my bachelor's degree is in English. And so there wasn't really a whole lot that I could do with my English degree is what I thought, and so I went to law school. And while I was in law school, I happened to take copyright law and the professor said that he went into copyright law because he loved books. And I loved books. That's why I had been an English major. And so that was kind of how I got started in intellectual property. Um, and I, after that, I decided to become an IP litigator. And I litigated for many years um, at law firms in Washington, D.C. and in Boston, and I did Copyright litigation, and I also did trademark litigation, and I also did a little bit of patent litigation as well. Um, and then I decided that I wanted to teach, and so I transitioned over to teaching. And I should say that I'm—I I love books because I'm also creative. I'm a writer myself, and so um, I was really—it really appealed to me to do something that was in line with my first love, which is writing fiction. So, yeah.
2: And, and my daughter's had some of your fiction as well. And I enjoyed <laughs> it. Um, t- today, I uh, will be discussing non-fungible tokens and uh, something I had never heard of two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. What exactly are they? We're going to call them NFTs for the show, non-fungible tokens, just to save time. It will take the whole show you know, saying that every time. So what exactly are NFTs and how would I, I use them?
0: I think you are not alone in not having heard about nfts prior to a couple of years ago they existed but they really took off um during the pandemic and they might have always taken off but i think during the pandemic when things like art galleries shut down and you didn't have you know people going in person to auctions and things like that that nfts really had had their moment in the sun um, which they are still enjoying to some degree so what they are is they are Basically, digital assets. So, the non fungible part of their name means that they are unique, right? They are not, um, there's nothing else that is exactly like a particular NFT that you get. And they are attached to tokens, which is the token part of their name. And so, basically, when you purchase an NFT, what you are getting is um, a, a token on the blockchain that says that this. Particular unique file belongs to you and only to you um, But that's really what you're getting is that particular token the token is usually Associated with the file. So it would be associated with a piece of art or with a GIF um, or something of that nature but there would be And there are many copies of that piece of art floating around. Only one of them, however, is attached to your token that lists you as the owner. Um, And so people, they have been touted as a way for people to solve what has been considered by some a problem on the internet, which is that everything is easily duplicated it on the internet. You can make copies really easily. It's basically a copying machine. Like that's what digital life is. Um, and things like the art market had always depended on scarcity to sort of um, create value. And in digital world where you could create a Monet, you know, like everybody can go and Google Monet right now, and you can see a copy of Water Lilies, right? It doesn't have to be in the loop. Um, so. The idea behind NFTs is to create that scarcity by saying, okay, maybe everybody can Google Monet's water lilies, but you're the only one that has this particular token that says that you own this particular copy of Monet's water lilies. And so how would you use them? Really just like any other kind of investment, to be honest. Um, You know, could you use them to look at your your file of Monet's Water Lilies, sure, but you could also just keep Googling for that, right? Like really the point is that you're hoping to have some kind of resale market. And Monet's Water Lilies is a bad example here because that's out of copyright, right? Monet has been dead for many, many years. So you really, that's not, I didn't really choose an, an excellent example, but I know that everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say a famous piece of art, and you know that you can find it all over the internet. That's true of all of the other things that NFTs are connected with.
1: This morning, we are talking about NFTs and other intellectual properties. You can send us an email with your questions to our address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're with our guest, Associate Dean for Faculty Development at the University of Mississippi School of Law, Professor Stacy Lantain, who's helping us understand about NFTs and Stacy, I produce money talks, and we've talked about the history of money. And money is just whatever you agree this is worth, I'll give it to you, and you agree what it's worth. So it's, you know, that's what currency is. My red rock is worth more than your blue rock. So, uh, how are NFTs, you know, that's a, a digital. Address how is it different from a cryptocurrency?
0: That's a really good thing to bring up. That all all money is made up and fictional, right? And only has value because we we have agreed that it has value because. Um, when when I first started looking into NFTs, which I came at from the angle of, I did a lot of work on memes and people have been selling NFTs of memes and that's how I got involved with researching them. I spent a lot of time being like, I don't really understand what you're getting here. This seems like the emperor's new clothes. Why would you why would you say it's worth this much money? Um, and then I listened to someone talk about this and they were like, but all money is made up, right? Why, why is any of this worth? And I was like, that's a good point. Um, so how is it different from cryptocurrency? It's different from cryptocurrency in that NFTs have always, in in how I have seen them, been attached to something, some piece of art, some meme, some gif, some, um, you know, like I'm a Red Sox fan and Fenway Park was selling NFTs that were attached to things, right? Like there's always some other thing, but they are generally purchased using cryptocurrency. And so they are associated with cryptocurrency. Um And they use the same kind of blockchain technology that cryptocurrency is using to sort of ensure itself against hacking and security and all of that kind of thing. Um, But they're not considered to be money in the way that if you invested in physical art, you would not consider that to be money. You would consider that to be an investment that you could then convert into money. Um, but at the same time, is it functioning as money in a way? Yes. It's just a different way of formulating the worth of what it is that you have. Um, because artwork is worth something, right? It's just, we have to all agree on what it is in the same way that currency is worth something. And we're all agreeing on what it is. And NFTs are the same kind of idea. What I
1: understand from the news and from watching the Big Bang Theory, with cryptocurrency, you can mine it. You can originate it by having your computer do algorithms to actually create the cryptocurrency. And with NFTs, artistic individuals could create the digital body whatever the token that it that the that the nf is attached to this is a way for an artist maybe to create money
0: yeah absolutely so they the process is called minting you can mint your own nft and so if you are an artist um even if you are not, I, I know of law professors who have minted NFTs for their scholarship, right? So really anything could have an NFT minted to it. And it's basically just the creation of that, of that token that is sitting on the blockchain. Um, one thing that I think I, I should bring up because sometimes this gets lost in the discussion, it is a huge, hugely resource intensive thing to do these things and they are working on not making it resource intensive but the environmental impact of running these incredibly intense mathematical calculations that that drive the blockchain and then therefore drive cryptocurrency and nfts is apparently enormous um it's hard for me to wrap my head around because it just seems like this is just digital stuff we're doing digital stuff all the time but apparently the amount of computer processing involved in doing this has a huge environmental impact and so that's another piece of nfts that yeah it's all great it's fun it's money that we're throwing all around but it also does have an environmental impact that the the world is trying to grapple with the NFT world is trying to figure out a way to how can we do this without being so destructive of the environment?
1: Well, we're going to get to the laws about NFTs in just a bit. You can send us an email with your questions. Legal terms at mpbonline dot org. We're discussing NFTs and other intellectual property with our guest, Professor Stacy Langtang. And we love bringing the professor on our show to answer your questions. What questions has she answered in the past? I'm going to tell you next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is In Legal Terms. Not everybody has a chance to listen to our show live, so if you've missed any of the program, you can listen to the whole show on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. This morning, we're talking about NFTs and other intellectual property with Professor Stacy Lantain, Associate Dean for Faculty Development at the University of Mississippi School of Law, who has been on our show in the past. We talked about TikTok uh, last February. We talked about protecting your intellectual property in April of 2020 when folks were starting to be creative in the pandemic. We talked about fair use of intellectual property in December of 2019, and genetic testing in September of 2018. I'm going to have links to all those shows on this show's information page.
2: And you know, and it, it is a law show, and we always appreciate uh, Stacey. coming on. So when we think about these, you know, cryptocurrencies and NFTs, are there any laws governing NFTs? You mentioned that uh, people can. Uh, mint them? And Liz mentioned mining of cryptocurrency. I, I mean, are can anyone sell them? Can anyone create them? And are they treated as securities?
0: Yeah. So right now, um, as you know, and as anybody who's a lawyer knows, the law takes a really long time to catch up to what's actually happening <laughs> in, the, in the real world, which isn't always a, a bug. That's sometimes a feature of, of the law. Um, so it's it's so early that it's kind of the wild west out there as far as nfts are concerned we don't have any nft specific laws in other words that are governing this stuff so we're just using our basic body of law to try to figure out well how would this apply to this new situation we have going on here um right now anyone can create them anyone can sell them right like as we were talking about if you're an artist You can mint your NFTs. I admit that I don't know the exact technical process that you're gonna go through to do that, but you can, right? Um, And you can sell it. There are particular platforms that are marketplaces for NFTs and you can go on there and and you can do all of this stuff. Um, They're really governed by contract. They are really what we would call like a smart contract because it's like a digital contract. Um, So really contract law is what's governing the terms of exactly what you have bought when you have purchased the NFT and exactly what you can do with it. So if you are engaging in buying and selling, you're kind of in control right now at this point, and you can um, craft your contract as you want it to be, right? Your terms of use that you are looking at when you are on the platform, like what exactly are you getting? What exactly can you do with it? So for instance, um, most of them don't give you any copyright because sometimes they don't have the copyright in the underlying image or art or whatever to even give you. And then other times they don't want to give you the copyright, right? Like they, they want to keep that for themselves, which makes total sense. Um, but I have seen instances of people who are not understanding that distinction, which is fair because it's a very legal distinction. But there was just like a whole headline about people who bought an NFT of something to do with dune the sci-fi um property and i'm not a huge dune person so i can't speak about this with with you know the depth of knowledge i could speak about like harry potter or something but um the people who bought this nft were then like okay now we're going to create a mini series of this like dune sci-fi book that we just bought the nft of and people were like, well, no, because you didn't get the copyright and you need the copyright to be able to do things like create a mini series based on that. All you got was an NFT, which, which really is just like a little spot on the blockchain that says that this particular copy of the Dune book belongs to you. That's all you got. In the same way that if you went to a bookstore and bought that book, you would know that you can't make a mini series of that book because you didn't buy the copyright, right? Like you just bought a copy of that book. Um, So you could get the copyright when you buy the NFT, but it would be part of your terms of use. And so you need to look at what the terms are that the sale of the NFT is doing and what it allows you to do. A lot of them don't allow you to monetize what you have bought so that you cannot license your particular art that you've purchased on the NFT, usually because either that right belongs to the copyright holder and they wanna keep it, or like with memes, there's no way that you could really monetize a meme because the memes are everywhere and your NFT of that meme doesn't give you the right to to block that meme anywhere else because you're not getting any kind of copyright off of it. Um, one of the terms that people use a lot Is when they resell, so usually you're allowed to resell without restriction because that's the whole point. It's an investment, right? Um, When you resell, though, a lot of them require you to give 10% of whatever your profit is back to the artist. And we call that a resale, right? We've fought over that in sales of physical art for For decades um california has tried to get this off the ground for decades so it's not like a new idea that you would give your artists some of the profit that you realize from investing in their art but because this is happening in the digital arena it's going forward in a way that it isn't in the physical arena because we have all these existing ideas about moral rights and stuff that are existing in the physical copyright arena um So those are just, you know, like, watch out for your terms, because that's really what's governing you is contract law. As far as treating them as securities, there's a lot of talk that that, that's coming down the road, um, that the SEC is looking more closely at this now that it has become a big market, because it does sound like a security, right? Like, especially with things like... um, like I said, that Fenway, like the Red Sox were sending me a thing like buy Fenway Park NFTs. They're not just selling one, they're selling like 500. And this sounds like they are selling stocks, right? To investors who are then going to resell these later on, hopefully for more money. That's exactly the kind of thing that gets regulated usually. Um, and so just because we're calling it NFTs doesn't necessarily mean that all these things don't have real world analogs. They do, right? We're not inventing anything out of out of whole cloth. Um and yeah, and it is, and, and one of the things I just want to point out with the NFTs in the art market is that um, it does, the NFTs in theory will allow you to be able to um, know the provenance of your art in a way that can sometimes be challenging with physical art, right? Like with physical art, if you have a war or something of that nature, you lose the chain of title, right? Like things get a little bit messy, Um the idea is that in the blockchain, you won't lose this information. I don't know how how true that idea is. I think it's a little bit untested. And also the blockchain, everything, everything online is only ever as good as the humans who are doing it, right? There's always a human who is doing it. This There's nothing about online that is this magical mecca that is going to take humans out of the equation yet at least and i don't know that i really want to get to that world but there are lots of instances lots of them of people selling nfts of art that they do not have the rights to do anything with um and when that happens first of all the blockchain is totally wrong right because they would say that they own the art because they put that information in the blockchain and they're just wrong on that point and then when that happens usually the person who has paid for the nft is kind of just out the money right like it all just disappears you should be able to go after the person who initially committed the fraud but you know like it's the internet so actually it's harder to go after people in a digital space because it's easier to anonymize and to also be in some country where we don't have extradition or we can't figure out where those people are so it's 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 riskier in a digital space even though at the same time it is touted as being more secure it's like a weird sort of like catch-22 happening there
2: you mentioned the blockchain, and, and, and I—the first time I heard of the blockchain was from a student here at the law school, doing a, you know, making an argument that the blockchain can be used to file taxes automatically. Uh, you know, because the government already has most of our information, and you know, we wouldn't even have I'm to. I'm on board it.
0: with that. Can we do that? I'm, I, I would much <laughs> rather do that than the NFTs. <laughs> As so, someone who just had to contact your accountant <laughs> for taxes this year, so.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and but you know, but I, I, and and really, I think one of the issues with NFTs and you know, making them securities is how do we track? any gains from them that, to make sure they're, they're actually taxed the way they should be. So I think the government has a, a, a really special interest there as well. Yeah. well. What exactly is the blockchain? People talk about it and it's supposed to be ultra secure, but how does it work?
0: Um, so I, I can't really tell you exactly how it works technologically as I'm not, I do have a computer programming degree, but it's from the year 2000. And so it's not helpful to me anymore. Everything has like moved past me. Um, It's so interesting about the blockchain because a few years ago, like it was everywhere, right? Like everybody's talking about the blockchain, the blockchain, the blockchain. So I went to this academic conference and um, we had a whole presentation on the blockchain. And I was like, I'm finally going to learn what the blockchain is. Like, I'm so excited about this. And really, they just got up and they were like, yeah, so it's a it's a way of keeping like information secure, right? Like it's like very highly secure because they've come up with all of these like intense scientific calculations that it takes so much effort to do that people can't hack it and like it's basically just a technological um method right like that's really what the blockchain is that is keeping information secure um but the thing with the blockchain is again it's only as good as the information that the humans are putting into it right so sure it's secure but how accurate the information is that is encoded into the blockchain can be iffy depending on what's going on right so your cryptocurrencies are are living in like blockchain and that's great they're secure or whatever but the presentation that i went to because it was a an ip academic conference they were arguing that we don't need the copyright office anymore we don't need the patent and trademark office because we can just use blockchain technology and that will tell us who owns like the copyrights and the trademarks and the patents And we were like but who's who's deciding whether or not you own that stuff and the people said oh well the users who put the information in and we were just like that's that's never gonna work like people don't understand what they like that's the whole that's what the copyright office and the trademark office and the patent office are doing is deciding who you own and what you want to Oh right? Like, and whether you can own it, whether we will even let you own it. And if you take that gatekeeping out, you lose something, right? It's just like a free-for-all. And so I think that people on the blockchain just think, well, we'll just have information and it won't get corrupted. That's great. But that information doesn't necessarily tell you anything useful, right? Like information is only as good as the people who are coming up with that information.
1: So, Stacy, if I'm buying your NFT And we're you're selling it to me and you you know, you paid fifteen dollars for it, but it's so great that I want it and I'm gonna pay twenty dollars to you. So would the blockchain then have that increase in the value?
0: Yeah, it should have a record of all of those transactions and what whether there was an increase, whether there was a decrease, right? Like it would it would keep track of of all of that stuff, um, and it would also. My understanding is it's also encoded with the terms of your contract, so that that five dollars, like the artist would be alerted that that ten percent of that belongs to them, right? If that was built into the the contract of my particular NFT, um, so all of that information in theory would get input and would function automatically without my having to, to track down the artist because they would be connected to the to the blockchain right and they would know all of this particular information. is my understanding of how that situation goes down. So We're, we're going to get calls now from technology people who are going <laughs> to be like, you're totally, totally wrong, but yes. <laughs> so
1: we're, we're hoping that the no sunspots or power outages uh, do anything bad to the Amazon computers that are churning out and saving all of this information. Our address for you to email your questions is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're talking today with Professor Stacy Lantain about NFTs and intellectual property. Where can you learn more about patents and trademarks? I'm going to tell you that next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
0: Your old car is kind of like that hairstyle you had in high school. Really cool back in the day. But that old car is still cool when you donate it to MPB Think Radio. Go to mpbonline.org for details. Then sit back and enjoy the ride. Now that's cool.
1: You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We hope you subscribe to our podcast or... Find MPB Think Radio recordings at mpbonline.org slash radio. If you're interested in learning more about patents and trademarks, the Mississippi Library Commission was designated an official patent and trademark resource in 1990 by the U.S. Department of Commerce Patent and Trademark Office, which is still in business. A wide variety of services are provided from extensive holdings of patent and trademark resources. While the primary users are inventors, attorneys, and researchers, the services are open to the general public. I'll have contact information on our show notes if you would like to learn more about that. We're talking today about NFTs and intellectual property with our guest, Professor Stacy Lantain.
2: Yes. And this is such great conversation, Liz. It's so interesting. And, and Stacy mentioned how fast this area is changing. And I, I, there's a, there was an act enacted in 1998, which seems like forever ago, called the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Um, so at least they were thinking about the fact of digital co- you know, applications to copyright. But what is the Digital Millennium Copyright Act? And how is it impacting on cryptocurrency, if at all, or crypto at all?
0: Yeah, so as you know, it comes from 1998, so um, long before NFTs were a twinkle in anybody's eye. Um, Mainly, so what was going on in the mid-90s is that there were websites that were being held liable for the copyright infringement of their users. And the websites weren't super happy about this. So they went to Congress and they were like, we don't want to be responsible for what our users are doing, right? Like, that's not a thing we want. And so the DMCA was really passed to address that particular problem, mainly. Um, And so it has the safe harbor. And if you fulfill these certain requirements as a website, then you fall into the safe harbor and you cannot be held liable for the copyright infringement of your users, That is like the very short version of the DMCA. And then there's also a section that has to do with if you have locks on your technology or your your copyrighted work to keep people from copying it or accessing it, that people can't circumvent those in certain circumstances. Um, So that's the DMCA. Really has nothing to do with cryptocurrency, right? Like that's not really what's going on there. The way in which it interacts with NFTs and I've really never seen it interact with with cryptocurrency um, just with crypto. but I guess maybe if you were trying to hack at the crypto, right like you you probably would run a fall of something, but I've really never seen that come up. How I've seen it come up is when NFTs get involved. Um, when people are selling NFTs to art that they do not possess the copyright to i have seen people issue dmca notices which is what we call a complaint of copyright infringement on a website um saying hey you're selling nfts of my art without my permission take them down Um, and that doesn't really have so much to do with the nft as anytime you are selling people's art without their permission they can file a dmca notice and take it down Um, but that's what i was saying about be careful because um, we saw that happen, for instance, with people were selling um, a whole series, right? Often NFTs are sold in series. They're like batches of of art on a theme, right? Like someone makes uh, you know, 500 pictures of whales and people buy like NFTs of all the pictures of whales. And so someone was selling um, a batch of NFTs that were based on uh, pictures of frogs. And I say pictures and they're like... You know they're like if you ever played like Super Mario Brothers, like the original like Nintendo version that was all like pixelated, like that's kind of what they look like, right? Like they're just like that kind of art, um, and they were frogs. And Matt Fury, who is the copyright owner of Pepe the Frog, a very famous internet meme, um, filed DMCA notices saying, "Hey, wait a second! I think these all these things of frogs that you're selling infringe on Pepe the Frog because they are clearly." evoking Pepe the frog, right? Like it's like a meme sale where they are like doing different editions of Pepe's. Um, And so they got taken down because under the DMCA, once you receive a notice that someone is copyright infringing, the website is required to remove that infringement. And you can start a whole process to fight about that. But in the meantime, it's gone. And so a bunch of people who had bought NFTs and these things woke up and found that they no longer existed, right? Because they, that copyright, there was never the right to ever sell an NFT in that particular piece of art. Um, as I said, when you buy an NFT, you're usually not buying the copyright, but to mint the NFT and sell it to people with attendant rights it does seem like you probably need to be the copyright holder to be able to be doing that because otherwise, um, it does seem like unauthorized copies being made of your work because a copy would have to be made to attach to that particular non-fungible token. Right. And you have the right to make copies. Um, and most of the time on the internet artists don't do a lot of freaking out about the art circulating. Like, what are they going to do about a meme? Right. But, when you're making a ton of money off of it, now the artist does have an incentive to be kind of like, hey, wait a second, right? Like that's, you don't even have the right to that though, right? Like what was that copy that you made?
2: You know, it's interesting. one of the, uh, the, the online uh, uh, music sites that I think you might have been referring to as Napster. I remember Napster where um, I had a colleague back in that, that time frame. Who had downloaded, he was so happy about like the thousand uh, hours of music that he had downloaded on his computer and using Napster for free. And, you know, it was what it was, was you would have, a, you would have a digital copy of something and put it up there for everybody to share. And, you know, you get mm-hmm. various copies and, and it was all, and, and uh, musicians were being shorted because they weren't getting any revenues from that. Well, right. NFTs help uh, the music industry at all? Is that possible?
0: You know, that's really interesting. In theory, you could sell NFTs of a music file. Like, I don't see why you couldn't, because an NFT could be attached to any kind of file, really. Um, Or to anything, I guess. Um, I don't know. You know, like, the thing about NFTs is they're usually seen as um, trying to solve the problem of artists not being compensated online. And so you're right that musicians have the same problem about not being compensated online. But now we've sort of moved over to streaming and people don't download music as much anymore. And so having a library of MP3s seems old fashioned and obsolete, right? Like when we talk about that stuff now. And so maybe musicians might try to go in that direction and be like, well, I'm going to mint you NFTs. What they could be helpful for is reviving what's known as the first sale doctrine on the internet. The first sale doctrine entitles the copyright holder to just the first sale. This is why used bookstores can exist. You can resell your used books. It doesn't exist in the digital world. And people have tried to get it to exist. People have tried to say, well, I bought this MP3 legally. I should be able to sell it. And the courts have been like, how do we know you're selling one copy? You could be selling 15 copies, right? Because you could just be making copies. So maybe the NFTs would revive like sort of a secondary marketplace in digital music. And maybe people would move off of streaming. I just think people really love streaming. I think it's uh, an efficient way to get at music um, and, and, and people pay for streaming you know, where I don't know if they would pay for the individual songs as much anymore. Maybe they would. I don't know.
1: Streaming is all well and fine unless you're driving through a rural area and there is no cell phone coverage, so you have to use what's on your SD card on your phone. Yes. We can take your intellectual property questions on our email address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. NFTs interest me. What interests you? I'll tell you why I want to know next. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can hear the whole show on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are most our shows, so you could stream it or you could download it. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Hey, folks, after this show at 11 a.m. Central on Tuesdays, Following our over-the-air broadcast, you can hear Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. I am interested in NFTs, especially after I read an article about how an artist and the computer programmer partner... Paid off their mortgage in six hours with their dastardly ducks images. It was uh, like uh, Professor Langtain mentioned. It was a batch of ducks, and some had different kind of eyes, some were different colors, some wore sweaters, and uh, you could you could buy a duck NFT, and they paid off their mortgage in six hours. But that interests me. What interests you? We'd love to tell you what the law is concerning your rights around the subjects that concern you. So contact me on the show's email address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. Professor Richard Goshen knows some folks. We'll hook you up with some experts, and we'll get you the information you need and share it with everybody else. Today we're talking about NFTs and other intellectual property rights with our guest, Professor Stacy Langtang from the University of Mississippi School of Law.
2: And you know, Stacy, I, I kind of feel like I, I, we've been here before, and that's what makes me a little bit worried about um, about uh, NFTs and cryptocurrency in general. Is we had a .dot com boom. Uh, and, and because we were all excited about everybody was going to want to have a, you know a, a, the .dot com doma- domain name, mm. and uh, and then that went bust. Do you see maybe a possibility with crypto and with NFTs?
0: So what's interesting to me is you're right. We've been here before, and a, a, a lot of the problem with the .dot com thing was um, that the major basis of valuation of these companies was was patents. That it turned out upon examination really didn't seem like they were that valuable in the first place. And so that was a situation where we were putting more value on something than we decided that we had. And there was a check. That's when you say, we've been here before it is not unique to the digital world, right? Like this, this has been happening since we've had investors happening in like, you know, the 17th century, there have been like booms and busts of valuation corrections. I always kind of think that it's to me, the NFT thing strikes me more similarly to um and I don't know, I'm going to make people upset, but it's kind of like Beanie Babies, right? Or like trolls when I was in high school, like everybody goes obsessed and they like collect all of them and a few people make a ton of money off of them. And then at the end, you move on to the next collectible kind of idea. Um, And some collectibles have more staying power than others, right? Like modern art is one of the best investments you can have, right? Like they make so much money, but I do think we've been here before. Um, And so I would be a little bit cautious. And I see Liz is indicating to me we have a call and we're going to get to it. I would just want to just say one thing that NFTs talk about all the time, how you can support your artists and yeah, they paid off their mortgage in six hours. I have a radical idea. You can support your artists without buying NFTs. You can give them money. They will take it. If they make art that you like compensate them for it. Right. Like that's, it's as simple as that. So yeah.
1: We still have a bookcase of comic books that we were hoping was going to pay for my daughter's college, but Well, that's another story. Let's go to the phones and go to Columbus and speak with Fletch. Fletch, we're glad you've called in, too, in legal terms today. What's your comment or question?
3: Good morning. First, I was going to tell uh, Professor Gershon, I hope he got his carbo load Sunday that he was having troubles with.
2: I I eventually did. My wife was nice enough to go yesterday and get me that that forbidden uh, non-alcoholic beer you can't get on Sunday. So thank you for asking about that.
3: Um, as far as NFTs, Y'all had just had a good metaphor, potentially like it's it's the uh, the Furbies or whatever uh, craze. And that, I guess that's always going to happen. You know, we had Pet Rocks and whatever. Um, what, what I'm still confused and leery on is, is, okay, so it's non-fungible. It's, and I'm not quite sure what that is. It's also non-tangible. What, I, I don't understand the, um, the, the, the gimmick or whatever, with the rush to grab this digital item that you you can't touch, perhaps I guess you could display it, but then it almost sounded like you said the quality um, was not good as far as the pixelation. So I'm still confused on to how the value is placed on it, who sets that value, and how the value gets to, as y'all mentioned a little bit, the rightful owner.
0: Yeah, these are all excellent questions. Um, You're right. It's completely intangible. You can display it, as you said, but you could display it without paying a bunch of money for the NFT. So that's not really what the NFT is getting you. Um, I think the best way to think about it really is in terms of an investment and not even an investment like with a pet rock, because you might be like, what am I getting with pet rock? It's just a rock, but at least it's a rock and you could hold the rock, right? Um, it's kind of an investment. Like when you put money in the stock market, everything is intangible. You can't really hold any of it, right? All you're hoping is that it's going to make you a bunch of money down the line and um, that's really what the NFTs seem to be about is that they're hoping to make a bunch of money down the line. There is also a lot of talk of community, right? Like there's a whole community around these NFTs and the platforms. And and, and so when you're asking like who puts the value on it, it's kind of community driven. Um, and so it's a smaller community than like the stock market, right? Which has a much, many more people coming in and putting the value on it. Um, the community kind of decides the value and i think like with you know like with many things um people either decide if they want to invest their money in that thing or they don't and and some people are going to always say no because some people are going to want tangible things and some people are going to be like no i think it's kind of cool i like the risk of it i you know want to i want to be on you know this reddit board talking to all of the other people doing nfts because i get the sense of community Um, and so i think that that's really once you sort of detach it from you know, I don't think it's a thing that everybody has to do, right? Like, I don't think it's a thing that you anybody needs to feel guilty about if it's like not their way, not their thing that they want to get into. I don't think that means that you're like being left behind and and you know you're not you're going to miss like the next big wave or something like that. Um, maybe I'm wrong about that, and I will also be crying because I'm getting left behind. But I I think it's just you know people come up with their own value on these things, and some people see the value, never... and then other people are like, I'm not into it.
3: It's never meant to be anything, or it doesn't appear you believe it's anything that's ever meant to be displayed. It's it's you're just really holding on to it only long enough to try to turn a profit.
0: Yeah, basically. Um, the most expensive NFT that I know of was bought for $69 million, and that was a piece of digital art. And they did project it onto the side of a building and have a big party. But I could also project it onto the side of a building because you can you could just go find this art. It's people's um, the first 5,000 days or 500 days. I think it's 5,000. Um, so you could go look at it yourself. So, no, it's not really anything that you're really displaying. I mean, I guess you could, like, project it onto the wall of your house. But, again, you could do that without paying all that money for the entity. Sure. So, yeah.
3: Sure. Wow. Okay. Thank you all. Good
1: stuff. Thanks, Fletch. We appreciate you calling in. All right. We have two minutes to uh, leave us with the idea of, of our rights and laws and what NFTs are. Well,
0: two minutes say, to up NFTs.
2: <laughs> can, I, can I ask, I mean, really, just to maybe the way to end it is, Stacy, what happens if I have NFTs and I don't tell anybody about them and I die?
0: Yeah, I think, I think you need to tell someone about them because unless your heirs are smart enough to be able to get into your computer and figure out where you're keeping your NFTs, I don't know how they'd ever know about it. How would they ever know about it, you know? So this is just good advice in the digital era, even if you don't own NFTs. If you have a Facebook account, go and designate a legacy contact on Facebook, right? Like we are all dying with massive amounts of digital assets, even if they are not NFTs because... Everything you are putting onto social media is an asset of yours, and if you don't want to lose it, you need to you need to be thinking about this in terms of of leaving information for your heirs. Like you don't just need to have them worrying about how they're going to pay the electric bill. Like they need to be thinking about how they're going to get into your computer if your computer is password locked, right? How they're going to get into it to find where your social media accounts are. If you have NFTs, we are you are keeping them. Um, that we need to think about that stuff because um, I, I live a lot of my life online. I don't have NFTs, but I do a lot of online stuff. And it's really heartbreaking when people die unexpectedly and you never even know because nobody can get onto the Twitter account to tell all of the Twitter friends like, hey, this person like died unexpectedly. So be thinking about that and, and leave something somewhere for your heirs. If you've got NFTs and even if you don't, that are just like, here's, here's where my online spaces are, right? Like pop in there, and and tie everything up for me so yeah
1: well everyday tech wishes they were in legal terms today but you can listen to everyday tech tomorrow at during uh, 10 a.m and we're so glad that we've had our guest professor stacy langtang talk to us about nfts we richard have you learned a lot i sure have
2: ways. Whenever is on, I'll
1: learn a lot. All right. So thanks. Our call screener today has been Java Chapman, and our board engineer is Jay White. So for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. Please join us next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
0: MPB Think Radio podcast.